Hello and welcome to Simply Why. I'm your host, Connor Reed. Simply Why is a podcast brought to you by Indiana Wesleyan University, where we do a deep dive into the stories behind our outcomes. Our guests share the choices that changed their lives, the paths that led them to where they are, and of course, the why at the heart of it all. Our guest today is Dr. Annika Stassen. Dr. Stassen is an author and associate professor of humanities and history at the John Wesley Honors College. Her field of study and research is the history of Christian thinking and praxis when it comes to questions of gender roles and family life. She has written numerous articles and book chapters and co-authored the book, Women in the Mission of the Church. Dr. Stassen, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. All right. Well, let's just jump right on in with the heavy hitting questions then. All right. Question number one, mountains or forests? Oh, that's a hard one. I think I would go with mountains, though. I love to be up in the mountains. And we actually went out to Denver, Colorado and went up in the Rockies and did some backpacking over the summer. And it just is soul filling. So absolutely beautiful out there. Definitely. All right. Question number two, fruits or vegetables? I think I would go with vegetables. We grow as many as we can. And it's frankly easier to grow vegetables than to grow fruits. So I think that's why I would go with vegetables. Question number three, farming or gardening? I'm more of the gardener and it's both the vegetables and the flowers. And then my husband, I guess you would call him more of the farmer. I just bring my students over to enjoy when the new lambs are born, but I kind of don't know how to take care of them. I'm happy to grow the vegetables and the flowers. There you go. And then just look at the cute animals and there you go. Exactly. <laughs> I just wanted to start off by asking you, so you're a professor at the John Wesley Honors College here, and you've published multiple articles and co-authored your book about the role of women in the church. So what is it about gender and sexuality and those different aspects of Christianity that really made you want to go into that field of study? I think all of us just have our natural interests. And for me, from a really early age, it was just gender. I was just really curious, why can the boys do some things and why can the girls do other things? And so I'll give you a story from preschool, actually. My consciousness was raised when the boys told me in the block area, you can't play here. This is only for boys. And so honestly, like from age four or however old I was, you know, I just was like, well, why? you know, my dad would wrestle around with the boys, my brothers on the carpet and stuff. And I was always like, why doesn't he do that with me? And so these were just questions that I was interested all the way. And then because I'm a Christian and because my faith is really important to me and I read the Bible and I'm curious about how Christians in different times and places have lived their lives, just all of this together means that as a scholar, I'm interested in figuring out what did it look like to be a Christian woman in the 1800s? What did it mean to be a Christian woman, you know, right when the Christian movement was getting started? And why does it look different then? Like, why were women able to lead house churches then versus in some communities in the Christian world today, women are told, no, you can't be the head pastor. So those are always just questions that really interest me. It's not simply a matter of, well, the Bible says this. 
because Christians in different times and places have interpreted the Bible in different ways. And so there has to be more that goes into that. So as a historian, I'm always curious, how is it that the Bible is influencing people's perspective, but also their surrounding culture and also continuing revelations from, you know, the spirit of God working within individuals. I just think it's a pretty complicated and fascinating story. So that gives you some, some background in why I, I'm interested in that. Yeah, definitely. Well, that actually leads perfectly into my next question. And this is actually a two-part question. So one is part of that what drew you to the Wesleyan denomination is more of an elevated role of women in the church. And then also in regards to what you're talking about, how do you grapple with then the history of Christianity and gender roles? And especially now where, I mean, I'm not the expert, <laughs> you're the expert, but of like how we look more at the almost historical context of gender roles than actually a biblical context and then misinterpret some biblical scriptures to separate, you know, gender roles like that. I grew up Christian Reformed. So John Calvin, that whole branch of Christianity. I had a great time in my local church, a really lovely childhood, wonderful family. But one thing that I was frustrated by, I realized in that Calvinist tradition was they're so strong on human sin and they talk about sanctification, but you never really get the sense that you make any progress. You're just always sort of stuck as a sinner. And so one of the things that I really appreciated when I went to seminary and learned about different traditions, that was something I really appreciated about Wesley and the way in which he saw you actually being able to grow in holiness. And of course, he's not the only one to say this, you know, that's an idea that you can trace all the way throughout the history, but different branches of the church emphasize different parts of it. So for me, that was really what drew me to Wesleyanism. And I didn't really actually know about the Wesleyan denomination, as opposed to Methodist more broadly, um, until I came and applied at Indiana Wesleyan. I've really resonated, you know, your question, do you resonate with the role for women in the Wesleyan tradition? Yeah, I think it's so cool that this was a denomination that when they broke off, that they were interested in supporting women in ministry and that they were interested in, in questions of race and class as well, that they were really pushing the envelope in those arenas. In the Honors College, we have our Luther Lee lecturer every spring. And so that's someone who's either doing current work that pertains to class or gender or race. Um, and so we're trying to tie back to that Wesleyan history in the way that we sponsor that lectureship. So yeah, I think that's wonderful. I'm currently actually an Anglican, and it's interesting in the Anglican Church in North America, depending on where you're at, which diocese you're in, some of them are in full favor of women in every sphere of ministry, and some of the diocese actually do not allow women to have the, the head priest role in a congregation. So it's very much still, you know, a question that, as you know, like different traditions are still working through. Your other question was kind of about how do we deal with the wider question of the history and gender roles? So I teach our Western Civ class here in the Honors College. Basically, we look at ancient Greece, ancient Rome, the early Christian movement, and then into the medieval church. And one of the things as I've gotten into that, those cultures like Greece and Rome, just really been struck by how little rights women have and how low they are in the society. Like men really dominate that society. Women don't have any ability to, at least in ancient Greece, like own property, 
Of course, your spouse is chosen for you and you're under his control. By the time you get to the Roman world, there is a few more opportunities for women. Women can own property, but they still can't participate in the public government, for example. Like there's no public role for women there. And they're still really either under their father or under their husband in terms of the authority in marriage. And so one of the things that has been so compelling for me looking at that history, I think we can today totally miss out on how radical Jesus and the Apostle Paul were within that context. Yeah, Jesus only had 12 disciples and they were men, but there are also all these women that follow him and you really can see them as his disciples in a similar way, the way in which he invites Mary to sit at his feet and learn from him in a way that no rabbi had really ever done, welcome a woman to sit at his feet and essentially, again, be his disciple. And even the apostle Paul, you know, he gets a bad rap sometimes in progressive Christian circles, but he's awesome for women, actually, in terms of saying, hey, men out there, your body doesn't actually belong to you. If you're a husband married, like your body belongs to your wife, just as her body belongs to you. This would have been crazy radical, right? Because men, there was the sexual double standard that it was fine for men to sleep around. But if a woman committed adultery, that was a huge um, misstep and she would be punished for that and have huge amounts of shame piled upon her. Whereas when Jesus and Paul come along, they basically said, no, men, you need to be faithful in marriage as well. Her body belongs to you. Your body belongs to her. I think we just miss out on that. And a lot of Christian circles just dive down into the whole woman submit to your husband bit of it, forgetting the fact that when Paul talks about husbands lay down your life for your wife, again, that was just completely unheard of in the culture. That wasn't the husband's job at all. It was the wife's job to serve the husband. I wonder if we could really get back into a knowledge of the ancient world, if it would help us to understand Paul and Jesus's efforts to lift women up in terms of their rights within marriage, their rights within the surrounding community. And actually, one of my research projects now is to just look at those moments in Christian history when the gospel first enters a culture. So whether we're talking about the Roman world, like that's that first moment when Christianity is entering that culture, but also what did it look like in China in the turn of the century? So I have a project right now that's looking at gender roles and the way in which, again, in the Confucian framework, where a woman was either under the authority of her husband or her father or her son, when the Christian message comes in and people convert to Christian faith, it does equalize the man-woman relationship in marriage. And I think that's really significant. I think we have to pay attention to how the gospel challenges patriarchy in all of these various contexts whenever we're trying to figure out what does it look like for us in our particular time and place to honor Christ in those gender relations, whether it's marriage or in the church. So that's always what I'm going to be working on is, is how that those gospel passages, Jesus passages, Paul passages play out in various cultures. And what I've found so far is that they do, they challenge patriarchy and they elevate women. That's awesome. Well, this is obviously something that you're very passionate about. So with that in mind, so how did you then decide to go down an education route? And where was that first step of saying, you know, not only 
do I want to grow in my knowledge of this, but I want others to grow in their knowledge of this. And I want to help them do that. So in college, I came in pre-med and then like a couple years in, I was like, no, I don't think this is it. I switched around like six different majors, couldn't figure it out, just loved everything. Eventually landed on an English major and religion minor. And then after that kind of took a year off, but realized I still had so many questions related to faith. So that's when I went to Regent College in Vancouver, British Columbia for seminary. And it wasn't until I was there that I really realized, oh, history, that's what I want to study. Because I frankly hadn't had a history class to that point. Like it hadn't stirred my interest that much. But once I became aware and had a couple professors there that were really excellent teachers and asked the kinds of same questions that I was asking, that's when I realized, okay, some of these questions I have are not just theological, they're not just biblical, they're actually historical questions. So if I study history, that will help. And then it was, well, I love teaching. I'd always loved interacting as a piano teacher or as a peer educator all the way through high school and college. And so I realized, okay, I want to study history. I want to be a teacher. I didn't frankly think I was smart enough to be a college professor. I had a lot of respect for the professors I had, and I loved meeting with them to talk about stuff. But, you know, I was never really the vocal participant in discussions in the classroom. So that kind of made me think I didn't have what it took. But of course, my mom was like, you're smart enough, you can do it. And so I applied only to one PhD program, and that was out in Boston, Boston University. I found a woman there who studied all the same stuff that I wanted to study. So women in church history, global Christianity, and the history of missions. Those were three things I was really interested in. And I flew out there and met with her, and she ended up you know, accepting me for the program, and I was able to get a scholarship and go study there. I still totally had imposter syndrome. I didn't feel like I belonged. I was still really quiet in all the class discussions. I liked what I was learning, but I just felt out of place. And she was an excellent mentor and just talked me into realizing I did belong and kind of helped me through that, that hard place. And kind of ever since then, I have felt like I belong. Like, okay, I made it through the first couple of years. And then I was able to get started on a dissertation project that really interested me. And a lot of that is just working on your own. And I'm kind of an introvert. I'm kind of halfway between extrovert and introvert. But I loved just sitting in a room reading books and, and working on my argument. It took me seven years to go through that whole process. And then it's just the awful process of applying for jobs and getting constant rejection letters. But then eventually you find the right fit. So eventually I was able to make it through. And I'm so glad I stuck with it because... I have the best job in the world. I love what I do. I love my students. And I just feel really lucky to have a um, very fulfilling job. So then not only are you a professor, but you're also an author as well. So then how or what practices or experiences helped you hone that skill to write a book and write other articles and chapters and all of that sort of thing? I mean, I was always like a student that did well in school. I liked writing. I liked the craft of it. I did public school growing up. I went to Calvin College, um, so a Christian undergrad. And then in my PhD program, I really had to learn how to write for audiences that weren't Christian because I was so used to just being able to work within my Christian framework. So that was a bit of a struggle. But I'm really glad I had that education at Boston University 
you don't even realize that you're not explaining this idea that you're presenting. And, you know, I just like made a lot of assumptions about my audience. And then I had to learn, no, you can't write in that way. You can't assume that they see God acting in history the same way you do. You got to just distance yourself from that. So I learned a lot of skills there for writing in that way. And then when it came time to writing my book um, with a colleague from Biola, it was back to writing for Christian audiences, but we still didn't want to just throw around Christian terminology, like Christianese. I think we still wanted to write for an audience, even though Christian was our primary audience, we wanted a non-Christian person to be able to pick up the book if they were interested in the way that Christianity has had roles for women throughout history. And another piece with that book, it's really awesome writing with another individual because you have someone constantly looking at your language and we did heavy editing for each other. Like each of us wrote a chapter and then we would send it back and forth. And then even when we had the book done, we were told by our editor, I think to basically cut it down by a third. So we had to go through there and just chuck out tons of things that, you know, all these wonderful passages we had written, they were like, nope, we can't sell a book that's that large. So we had to go through, but I think it made it a stronger book in the end because you have to tighten up even more um, so that you don't lose your reader. You have to keep the narrative flowing. You have to have really good subheadings. And then we would give it out to lots of people to read and get their feedback on it. So all of those factors really helped us in the writing process. If there's someone who's listening in right now and is wanting to be a professor, an author, or wanting to study history, what sort of pieces of encouragement or advice would you give to them? I think definitely study and teach what you love. I think that comes across so much better when you're when students are learning or readers are reading from someone who is passionate about their subject. Just your love is contagious. I recently read a book by Jamie Smith about Augustine. And I mean, a lot of people would be like, ah, Augustine, like what is there in Augustine for me to appreciate? But he just makes Augustine come alive and be so relevant to the contemporary world. I think that's a great way to be an author, the great way to be a teacher, to just even bring your class or bring your readers along with you on the journeys you've been on. I think that's helpful for them to see where you used to be and then what it was that brought you to the place you are today. Even if that person's life doesn't mirror your own, you can still pull out helpful points from hearing how the Lord has worked in one person's story or just how that one person dealt with their own sense of inadequacy or jealousy or whatever. I think it's just great to write from your personal experience and from your passion. And then I think the second thing I would say is to just try to be a lifelong learner. I was just driving to school today and was just so grateful that I'm constantly learning and being interested. I never feel like, oh, now I know how this works. Anytime we catch ourselves feeling stuck in a rut and just only believing the thing we believe, that's just not a healthy place to be. You need to always be stretching and learning from others and trying to understand where they're at. Yeah, to sharpen your own beliefs, but also to help yourself to be humble about what you believe and to just recognize there are people out there that are God-fearing, God-serving individuals that maybe fall in a different camp from you, but we can still totally learn from each other and consider ourselves part of this wider, beautiful, mystical community of Christ. It's really important to just be a lifelong learner and write with a passion. 
Well, that is wonderful. And I think that is a great way to wrap up this episode. Dr. Sasson, thank you so much for being on. Is there a place where people can find your work? Yeah, definitely. It's on Amazon. So Women in the Mission of the Church, but it's also on the Baker site because it was published by Baker Academic. So either place, if you just type Women in the Mission of the Church, it should pop up. We'll make sure to put the links for those in the show notes. Dr. Sasson, thanks again. Yeah, my pleasure. Simply Why is brought to you by Indiana Wesleyan University. IWU is a nationally renowned, Christ-centered academic community dedicated to providing leading, innovative education opportunities for students of all ages, backgrounds, and life stages. To learn more about IWU's online, on-site, and hybrid programs, visit indwes.edu. And make sure to follow us on social media as well. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.